European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 31, Focus Issue, Clinical Trials, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Innovative Trials in Interventional Cardiology, Prevention, Heart Failure, and the First Debate in the European Heart Journal. This issue opens with the first of a new article category of the European Heart Journal, or EHJ, The Debate. Each debate is made up of three sections. An introduction, which presents the topic to debate and why it has been selected, as well as a pro and a contra. This article category reproduces the format of the debate sessions seen at the annual meeting of the European Society of Cardiology. The current contribution is entitled Debate. Prasagrol rather than Ticagrelor is the preferred treatment for NSTE-ACS patients who proceed to PCI, and pretreatment should not be performed in patients planned for an early invasive strategy. In this first debate, a panel of distinguished colleagues, led by Evangelos Giannitis, the author of the Contra section, raise their concerns over some recommendations included in the guidelines for the management of acute coronary syndromes in patients presenting without persistent ST segment elevation in regard to antithrombotic treatment in patients undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. The authors of the guidelines, led by Holger Thiele, explain the reasons which led to their recommendations in the pro-section of the debate. The European Heart Journal offers this unique platform, the debate, with the goal of helping readers to dissipate the grey in the difficult decisions they must take during their daily practice. In a viewpoint article entitled Interpreting Myocardial Infarction Analyses in Ischemia Separating Facts from Fallacy Rafael de Catarina from the University of Pisa and David Brown from the Washington University in St. Louis note that after a decade of planning and execution the International Study of Comparative Health Effectiveness with Medical and Invasive Approaches, or Ischemia Trial, was published in April 2020, and a flow of ancillary reports rapidly followed. This landmark study found that in patients with chronic coronary syndrome, or CCS, both the composite primary endpoint, cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, or MI, hospitalization for unstable angina or heart failure, or resuscitated cardiac arrest, and secondary endpoint, cardiovascular death and MI, were not different between the two strategies, refuting the hypothesis and long-held belief of a prognostic benefit from an invasive strategy with revascularization by percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, or coronary artery bypass graft, or cabbage surgery, in CCS patients with moderate to severe inducible myocardial ischemia. Not surprisingly, periprocedural MI was more frequent in the invasive arm, whereas late spontaneous MI was more frequent in the conservative arm. On this basis, some have concluded that revascularization should be offered to CCS patients to prevent prognostically important infarctions, i.e. spontaneous type 1 MI. This commentary seeks to provide a rebuttal to this speculative conclusion also based on the results of some recent studies. In another viewpoint entitled The Importance of Achieving Sex and Gender-Based Equity in Clinical Trials, A Call to Action, 
Jeske van Damen and colleagues from the Amsterdam Universitaire Medische Centra in the Netherlands note that women are underrepresented in clinical trials and the current guidelines are based on recommendations from clinical trials that predominantly included men to generate the evidence behind our therapies and interventions. Additionally, there is a paucity of knowledge regarding the reasons for the underrepresentation of women. After an extensive literature search of cardiovascular clinical trials, the authors found only six articles that report on challenges and barriers and the motivators behind the decision to participate in clinical trials. In terms of barriers, both men and women participants included reporting time constraints, apprehension towards being in a clinical trial with an experimental design or therapy, or the potential of an unfavourable outcome and risk of harm. Women declined more often to participate than men because they perceived a higher risk of harm from trial participation as compared to men. Overall, women needed extra reassurance of their significant value to participate in a clinical research setting. The challenges and facilitators are likely to differ based on country, regions and across cultures and healthcare systems and there is no one-size-fits-all solution. By implementing the right frameworks for the design of the trial, including more women leadership in clinical trial committees and inviting women patients to participate in the discussion of the design, researchers will be more likely to attain sex and gender parity. Patients with non-left main coronary bifurcation lesions are usually best treated with a stepwise provisional approach. Patients with true left main stem bifurcation lesions, however, have been shown in a recent dedicated randomized study to benefit from systematic dual stent implantation. In a fast-track clinical research article entitled The European Bifurcation Club Left Main Coronary Stent Study A Randomized Comparison of Stepwise Provisional versus Systematic Dual Stenting Strategies EBC Main David Hildick-Smith and colleagues from the Brighton and Sussex University Hospitals in the United Kingdom recruited 467 patients with true left main stem bifurcation lesions requiring intervention to the EBC main study in 11 European countries. Patients were randomly allocated to a stepwise layer provisional strategy, N equaling 230, or a systematic dual stent approach, N equaling 237. The primary endpoint, a composite of death, myocardial infarction, and target lesion revascularization at 12 months, occurred in 14.7% of the stepwise provisional group versus 17.7% of the systematic dual stent group, P equaling 0.34. Also, the prevalence of secondary endpoints, including death, myocardial infarction, target lesion revascularization, and stent thrombosis, was similar in the two groups. Procedure time, X-ray dose and consumables favoured the stepwise provisional approach. Symptomatic improvement was excellent and equal in both groups. The authors conclude that among patients with true bifurcation left main stem stenosis requiring intervention, fewer major adverse cardiac events occurred with a stepwise layered provisional approach than with planned dual stenting although the difference was not statistically significant. Thus, the stepwise provisional strategy should remain the default for distal left main stem bifurcation intervention, 
This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Farouk Jaffa from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, and colleagues. The authors congratulate the EBC main investigators for bringing forth this new study that will undoubtedly increase interest in provisional stenting for left main distal true bifurcation disease. Yet the story may not be complete. In trying to harmonize approach based on these pivotal left main studies, they propose a strategy based on integration of currently accepted best practice, including careful management of the complexity of each side branch, image and physiology-based guidance and plaque preparation. They anticipate long-term outcomes from ongoing trials will help us understand if we can truly simplify, simplify, simplify stenting of the left main bifurcation. The foundations for prevention of cardiovascular diseases are lifestyle modification, including smoking cessation, moderate alcohol intake, healthy diet and regular exercise. However, these strategies are not fully implemented, and even when implemented, do not eliminate the risk of CVD. Therefore, added interventions with drugs are often required. The Heart Outcomes Prevention Evaluation, or HOPE-3 study, was designed to determine if a reduction in low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, or LDLC, or blood pressure, either alone or in combination, would reduce CV events in patients at intermediate risk with no prior overt clinical CV events. After 5.6 years of treatment, rosuvostatin 10 mg daily compared with placebo reduced major adverse CV events, MACE, including myocardial infarction, stroke or death from CV causes, by 24%. Despite reducing systolic blood pressure or BP by 6 mg of mercury, the combination of candesartin 6 mg daily and hydrochlorothiazide 12.5 mg daily compared with placebo did not reduce MACE significantly in the overall trial population. In a clinical research article entitled Lowering Cholesterol, Blood Pressure or Both to Prevent Cardiovascular Events, results of 8.7 years of follow-up of the Heart Outcomes Evaluation Prevention or HOPE-3 study participants. Jackie Bosch and colleagues from the McMaster's University in Hamilton, Canada, examined whether the benefits observed during the active treatment phase in the HOPE-3 trial were sustained, enhanced or attenuated 3.1 years after cessation of all the trial medications. The first co-primary outcomes for the entire length of follow-up was the composite of myocardial infarction, stroke or CV death, or MACE-1 and the second was MACE-1 plus resuscitated cardiac arrest, heart failure, or coronary revascularization, or MACE-2. 78% of 11,994 surviving HOPE-3 subjects consented to participate in this extended follow-up. During 3.1 years of post-trial observation, participants originally randomized to rosuvastatin compared with placebo had a significant 20% additional reduction in MACE-1 and a 17% additional reduction in MACE-2 of borderline statistical significance. In sharp contrast, there was no benefit of BP lowering in the overall study, either during the active or post-trial observation period, although a 24% reduction in MACE-1 was observed over 8.7 years. Bosch et al. conclude that the cardiovascular benefits of rosuvostatin and BP lowering 
in those with elevated SBP compared to placebo continue to accrue for at least three years after cessation of randomized treatment in individuals without CVD, indicating a legacy effect. Indeed, both statins and BP lowering may cause structural changes in the vasculature, such as alterations of plaque morphology and composition that may lead to continued or enhanced benefits during further observation. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Eric Borsma and Isabella Cardis from the Erasmus MC in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. The authors conclude that the initial beneficial effects of rosuvostatin treatment that was observed in the HOPE-3 trial persisted for at least three years after termination of the study. For now, the effective use of such agents by individuals without clinically established disease and at low-moderate CV risk despite the presence of a risk factor seems to remain a matter of shared decision-making by these individuals and their physicians, which includes a well-informed weighing of pros and cons. Patients' iron deficiency is a potential therapeutic target in patients with heart failure or HF. In a clinical research article, the effect of intravenous ferric carboxymaltose on health-related quality of life in iron-deficient patients with acute heart failure. The results of the AFIRM AHF study. Eva Jankowska and colleagues from the Wroclaw Medical University in Poland evaluated the impact of intravenous or IV ferric carboxymaltose or FCM versus placebo on health-related quality of life or HRQOL for the AFIRM AHF population. The baseline 12-item Kansas City Cardiomyopathy Questionnaire or KCCQ12 which was completed for 1,058 patients, was administered prior to randomization and at weeks 2, 4, 6, 12, 24, 36 and 52. The baseline KCCQ12 overall summary score or OSS mean plus or minus standard error was 38.7 plus or minus 0.9 for the FCM group and 37.1 plus or minus 0.8 for the placebo group. Corresponding values for the clinical summary score or CSS were 40.9 plus or minus 0.9 and 40.1 plus or minus 0.9. At week 2 changes in OSS and CSS were similar for FCM and placebo. From week 4 to week 24 patients assigned to FCM had significantly greater improvements in OSS and CSS scores versus placebo, adjusted mean difference. At week 4, 2.9, P equaling 0.018 for OSS, and 2.8, P equaling 0.029 for CSS. At week 24, 3.0, P equaling 0.028 for OSS, and 2.9, P equaling 0.035 for CSS. At week 52, the treatment effect had attenuated but remained in favour of FCM. The authors conclude that in iron-deficient patients with HF and left ventricular ejection fraction, less than or equal to 50% stabilised after an episode of acute HF. Treatment with IV FCM compared with placebo results in clinically meaningful beneficial effects on HRQOL as early as four weeks after treatment initiation, lasting up to week 24. 
The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Tibor Kempf from the Hanover Medical School in Germany. Kempf concludes that a firm AHF identifies iron deficiency as a treatment target in patients stabilised after an episode of AHF. The in-hospital setting provides an excellent opportunity to administer FCM prior to discharge, thereby enhancing clinical uptake of this safe, simple and effective treatment. HF networks need to ensure that a second dose is infused after six weeks if necessary and that iron status is reassessed every three to four months. Future studies should explore the regulation and functional implications of cardiac and skeletal muscle iron deficiency in HF patients to design individualized iron supplementation strategies. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a commentary entitled, Underlying Mechanisms Involved in the Icosapent Ethyl Reduction of Cardiovascular Events Still Cannot Be Attributed to an anti-atherosclerotic effect. Gaston Rodriguez-Granillo and colleagues from the Clinica La Sagrada Familia in Buenos Aires, Argentina, comment on the recent publication Effect of Icosapent Ethyl on Progression of Coronary Atherosclerosis in Patients with Elevated Triglycerides on Statin Therapy. Final Results of the Evaporate Trial by Matthew Budoff from the Lundquist Institute at Harbor UCLA Medical Center in Torrance, California, USA. Buddha Fatal respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.